If you want a topic this morning, the topic is the blood of Jesus. I want us to understand what it is. Every time we call upon that blood, this morning I want us to understand the power therein. That when you call upon the blood of Jesus, you know exactly what it is you're calling and what you want the blood to do. We know that the blood is very, very uh, important and very, very significant to life. We have our medical people in the house, so if I'm going off track, please just correct me. It says that the blood is essential to life. Uh, medics say that in a body you can find as much as five to seven liters of blood in a body. And so when you drain that blood out, life is gone out. It says the blood helps to transport things within the body. It transports oxygen. Am I right, sir? It helps to transport vitamins. It helps to transport minerals within the body. It helps to transport all sorts of nutrients that the body needs to function. So the blood is very, very essential in the physical man. Leviticus 17. Leviticus 17, verse 11. It says, for the life of a creature is in what? Come on, church. The life of a creature is in what? In the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So the blood is very, very important in, in the life of human beings. But I want you to remember something. And I want you to hold this, even as we go through the teaching this morning. That God, in his sovereignty, and in his fullness, in his capacity as God, doesn't need blood. God is not human, that he needs blood to function. Because he is spirit. And scripture says that, for anyone to be in contact with God, he should worship him in spirit and in truth. So he does not require blood to live. However, for him to take on human form, the blood is needed. Because the blood is life. Amen? A further search into the scripture tells us in the book of Genesis chapter 4. It tells us, again, the importance of blood, or the significance. We know the story very well as the story of Cain and Abel. And it says that we know that Cain killed Abel out of ignorance, jealousy. And the Bible records it that the blood of Abel cried out to God. It shouted. It screamed out to God, telling me one thing, that the best of man's blood can only speak vengeance. The best of man's blood, your blood and my blood, the best it can speak 
is vengeance. And that's why when someone is unlawfully killed, that's what the blood screams. That's why you would find that in today, when someone is unlawfully killed, family members, friends, whosoever, they seek vengeance. And they do not rest until that vengeance is accomplished. So the best a man's blood can do is speak vengeance. But when a man is lawfully killed, guess what he speaks? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He can't talk. Because if he could, scripture would have recorded it. But he recorded that the best of what he could do is speak vengeance. And so that ushers me very nicely into Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. Can I have the King James? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. It says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. If we're not sure whose blood we're talking about, give me the... Uh, CEV, please. It says, and Jesus is here. He is the one who makes God's new agreement with us. And his sprinkled blood, Jesus' sprinkled blood, says much better things than the blood of Abel. So we know definitely for sure that we're talking about the blood of Jesus here. Now, give me the NIV, because that's the translation I'm going to. He says, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word. That's where I want to go. A better word than the blood of Abel. Better. That whatever the blood of Abel has the ability to do, the blood of Jesus can do much more. He can do abundantly, exceedingly above what the blood of Abel can do. So I bring good news for us this morning, that we have that blood with us. It's an assurance, but there is a clause. Now, I know we all use the blood of Jesus very well. I don't know what you use it for. If you use it, I use it. But just like the blood, when I first discovered bleach, bleach, do we all know what bleach is, the chemical? I used to think that it was for only washing bathtubs and toilet sinks, ceramic, basically, because I like to clean. A sister of mine visited me yesterday, and she's met me still in the art of cleaning. And she said, I hope you're not going to call me to help you clean. Because she had paid somebody in the house to be cleaning. And she now came to my own house to relax. And she said she cannot come here and now see an elder cleaning. So she was very, very smart. She went out to my wife. So I can't call her to clean. She knows herself. She's here. Or Messi, I should not call your name out. <laughs> Bleach. 
I used to wash the toilets and it would shine. It would sparkle. But along the way, I met people who are wiser than me who have been cleaning for God knows how many years. And so, you know, if you apply this bleach into water and you scrub your floor, because my floor is quite dirty, it will shine more. So when I thought bleach was used only for washing bathtubs, I realized that you can also use it to scrub the floor. And further on again, I realized that if you have a white shirt and you have oil stained from the lasagna you are eating, if you put the bleach on it, it will help to wash it and restore it back to its whiteness. How many functions of bleach? Quite several. Quite several. And we know that wisdom is progressive. So maybe tomorrow I might be able to add one more to it. Likewise, the blood of Jesus. But I don't know how you use it. But this morning I've come to tell you that there are several more ways than you can think of. Number one, the blood of Christ is an agent. The blood of Jesus is an agent. The agent I'm talking about in definition here is a link. The blood of Jesus is a link. A link, someone who links one thing to the other. Someone who brings one good thing from this side and transports it, just as the physical blood transports oxygen and minerals and vitamins to all the parts of the body. So also, Jesus' blood transports. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. It says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. So I would not have to destroy it, but I have found none. This morning, Jesus has been found to be the one who stands in that gap, to broker that, beast, that, that, that broken communication from between God and man. Amen? So what things does it transport? I'm glad you asked. When Christ went on the cross, when Christ went on the cross, he purchased the word of God, the full word of the Lord, with his blood. With his blood. Because he fulfilled the mandate to which God had called him to do. And as a result, Scripture says that God was, Jesus Christ was exalted. He was exalted above every other thing. He was given the power and the authority over everything else. Over every name, both in heaven and on earth and even beneath the earth. And it says at the mention of that name, everything must bow. Everything regardless of what it is. So the word of God is what? His authority, his power. Scripture says that he does absolutely nothing outside of his word. 
in the book of First John, it says, is it John? It says, he is the word. The word is in him. Everything that was made was made by the word. And there was nothing that was made without the word. So the word of God is his power and his authority. And Jesus Christ, now listen to this scriptures here quickly. Matthew 28, you don't need to project. Matthew 28 verse 18 says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me, both in heaven and in earth. Ephesians 1.21 says, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the ones to come. Matthew 11.27 says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. Philippians 2.9 says, For this reason also, God highly exalted him. Colossians 2.10 says, And in him you have been made... There's loads of scriptures that I could read out to show you the power that there is in the blood of Jesus. That when you call upon it, everything changes. The whole dynamic of every situation, it changes. When Jesus died on the cross, he paved the way. It says the curtain was broken, so he gave us the access into God's presence. He ushered us into his presence. He provided the link. So when you call upon the blood of Jesus, we're asking God, you know what? Project me, link me up into God. Link me up into God. Because when you call his name, when a sick person is sick on the bed and you call upon the blood of Jesus, everything within the book, which is the word of God, every scripture that pertains to healing flows through that blood into that person. That's what the blood of Jesus does. Whether you know the scripture or you don't know the scripture, it tells once you call at the mention of the blood of Jesus, everything, every sickness containing, pertaining to that situation must listen. And when you pray and you say you don't understand the miracle that happened, of course you can't understand it because there is power in that blood. So when we call upon the blood of Jesus, we're asking for the promises, every single promise in the book, in the word of God, to flow into that person. And so shall it be upon you this day in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus Christ says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, he says, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, not in bits, in the fullness of the book, in the fullness of God's words and promises. Every single thing that he has said about me is what I've come to fulfill. So when you call the blood of Jesus, you are fulfilling every word into that situation. And that's why we speak to the dead as if they were alive. And every situation that is dead in our life, when you call the blood of Jesus, it must rise. In the mighty name of Jesus. Point number two. The blood brings redemption. The blood of Jesus brings redemption. John 3.16 is a scripture that we didn't just know even when we became Christians. It's a scripture you learn in the womb while you are yet to be born. It says, for God so loved the world, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him 
shall not perish, but have eternal life. This scripture reveals to me how deeply the Father loves. How deeply he loves you and I. To the point that he loves us, according to that scripture, even more than he loves his son Jesus. That he's ready to offer his only begotten son as a ransom for you and I. That is the extent, the deepness of the love he has for you and I. No wonder David in the book of Psalms says, who is man? Who is man that I should care this much about? The scripture reveals who man is. He is the love of God. The love of God. 1 Peter 1.19 It says, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Can I have 18? 18 and 19, could we get both again together? Where's my clock? Clock is dead. Please put blood on it. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It tells us that Jesus was the only one possible to redeem us. Back unto God. No one else, nothing else has that power or ability. Some people say Elijah was close to Jesus. He was a resemblance of Jesus. Probably God could have used. No, 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 no. no. Scripture tells us that in Matthew 16, can I have Matthew 16 verse 13 to 14? Matthew 16, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Cassera, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? 14. They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Can I have Matthew 17, 2 to 3? There he was, transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And now verse 3. Just then there appeared before them Moses, Elijah, talking with Jesus. So we know that Elijah couldn't have been the Jesus. There is a difference. The best person to redeem us back onto God could only have been Jesus. Elijah that we know, when a woman, a so-called woman, chased after him, he was ready to even give up the mantle. When Jesus saw the cross, he embraced it, making him the perfect fit to redeem us. The perfect fit to redeem us unto God. But for us to understand the redemption, I want us to understand the creation of man. In the book of Genesis, Genesis meaning the beginning. 
So your neighbor, let us start from the beginning. So for us to understand why God had to redeem man, you need to understand the creation at the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, Scripture tells us that God created or called into being all the creatures, the stars, the moon, the waters, the trees, the birds, the grass, everything was called into being. And when God had created them, Scripture has it that God said it was good. Can I have Genesis chapter 1, verse 18? And to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. So when God had created the light, he said to himself, he praised himself. So even after this message, if I praise myself, I'm only behaving like my God. He looked at what he had created and said, it was good. There was no choir to praise him. There was no praise team. He looked at himself and said, you know what, I can do it. He said it was good. Verse 21. And God, yeah, Genesis chapter 1, verse 21. Yeah. And God created everything, God created great whales and every living creature that moveth which the waters brought forth abundantly. After their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 25. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creeped upon the earth after their kind. And God again said, it was good. But when man came into being, when man, when you and I came into being, the praise changed. The dimension changed. Verse 31, chapter, chapter 1, verse 31. Now listen to this. If you read it from 26 downwards. At the end, he says, And God saw everything that he, was, that he made, and behold, it was not good, but very good. It shows to me that man is in a class all by himself. Man is different from other creatures. How do I know this? If you go on into the scripture, you would find out that God, when God created man, man was not called to being. There was intimacy between man and God at creation. God had to touch the dust from which we are made from with his hands. Intimacy. Affection. God had to shape you to make you. We were processed in love and in his affection. He touched you to carve you. Make sure that every single part of you was created beautifully, not rough. 
scripture tells us that he blew breath into the, into, the, into, the, into the nostrils. That was a significance of kiss, of intimacy between man and divinity. He breathed into us life, a, a source of himself. A source of himself into man. Since this man is different. Man is different. And scripture says that he made man. When God made man, he said, let us make man in my likeness and in my image. He made them. Now let us dwell upon that a few seconds. What is the meaning of likeness? So you can understand the essence of redemption of why he had to bleed to redeem man. Likeness means similarity. It means identity. It means resemblance. So when man was created, it means man was so much like God in creation. In creation. Man had the identity, the resemblance. He looked so much like God. What about image? The meaning of image is the general impression that a person, an organization, or a product presents to the public. So when God made you in his image and in his likeness, you are a reflection of God on earth. God made a mirror. He reflected himself on earth. So man also had to be the boss of something because God, our God is boss. He is king and he has all power and all authority. So when he made man, he made man to also to reflect that image of himself on earth. And so man also had to boss something. And he said, have dominion over all of these things that I've created. Because we are a reflection of God. We stand in his image, in his likeness. So when you look at man, when you look at Adam, you're looking at a similar identity of who the real king is. So man was powerful, man had authority, but God said, have authority, but this tree of good and evil touch not. That was the only thing he didn't give him control over. Everything else, rule and have dominion. And God allowed Adam to demonstrate, to show Adam that I've made you boss. And so when God created all the animals, he brought them before Adam and said, name them. And whatever you name them, it shall be to this day. And it still is. It shows the sovereignty, the power, the authority that man received from looking like God. That's who we are. And that's why when you decree and you declare a thing, it stands. Because you were made in his likeness and in his image. So you are not just anyhow. This is who God created at redemption, um, at, at the creation. We also know that God is so powerful that all powers reside in him, not outside of him. God's power is in him. And that's also a reflection of who you are. Your power resides 
in you. When you say go, it goes. When you say come, it must come. Because power resides inside of you, not outside of you. So always look inward when you pray. But God had to tamper that power a little bit. And he gave you the book, the Bible, as your guide. And in Proverbs 2, 21, 23, Proverbs 21, 23, it says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Because it tells you how powerful man is. If I lie to speak, if care is not taking your mind, even create another world. Because we are so much like God in his image and in his likeness that whatever we say stays. I want to show you how important man is again. When God created man and he breathed into man, he breathed life into man. He breathed life into man. What God was breathing into man was man's future. He breathed his wife into Adam. He breathed into Adam his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren. What man would ever evolve to be, God has already deposited inside of him. So when he created Eve, he didn't have to start Eve from the scratch. He went in Adam and brought forth the woman. God speaks not to just your present, God speak to your future. He can speak to your great-grandchildren while they were yet born. That's how developed man is. Hebrews 7, chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. Back that up with scripture. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. It says, one might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Adam. Can I have an icon? Yeah, okay, start, start from verse 9 again, sorry. It says, one might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Adam, verse 10, through Abraham, sorry, because when Melchizedek met Ab Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. That's unbelievable. How can you pay a tenth while you are not yet born to a priest that already exists? Through Abraham. That's God speaking to your destiny, into your future. Even while you are yet in the present, he can communicate with that in the future of you. So what you are yet to evolve to, God already knows. And that is the man that the devil snatched at creation. A man who was in the image of God, in the likeness of God, and due to sin, we lost that likeness. We lost that authority. We lost who we are in God. And so Jesus had to come and pay the price to restore us back to that spirit man that God had created in the beginning.
when we pray in the name of the blood of Jesus, we are praying that the redemption, that God takes us back, that God redeems us from the power of sin. That blood is powerful. The third point on our close, the blood brings removal. The blood brings removal. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience. Can I have the King James, please? It says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spots to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Purge is what the King James used. That's for as many that comes in contact with that blood, it will purge. It absolutely, it's... What's the word? Obliu, that word. <laughs> that when you see you, you are transformed. You are like newness, default, factory-fitted. That there is absolutely no trace of that sin in you anymore. That once you come into contact with that blood, you are renewed. You become a new man. Everything changes about you. Jesus died on the cross. He bled on the cross. Scripture tells us that when he was stabbed in the side, that the blood gushed out. So we know he died. But how then can we come into contact with that blood? How can we come in contact? We can't physically, as we are, go up to Mount Calvary. I'll look for Jesus bleeding to death on the cross and get some blood from him. We can't physically reach out to heaven and say, Jesus, please pour me some blood there. I need to use it. But God made a way for us to attain that blood. Revelations 1.5 reveals, says that, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Can I get Acts chapter 22, verse 16? I'll be out of here in a second. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And now now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Romans 6, 3. Paul says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his death. So for us to be in contact with the blood, we need to give our life to Christ this morning. All heads bowed. All heads bowed. If you're here this morning and you want that blood, that very powerful blood of Christ, 
Scripture says that you have to first give your life unto him and accept him as your Lord and personal Savior so that you can be baptized into his death thereby reaching to the blood. If you're here and you want to give your life, could you just signify the raising up of your hand quickly and you put it back down? Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you for the blood that you have made available to each and every one of us. We tap into that blood this morning. Jesus Christ was speaking. He said that we should ask in his name. Not in our name, but in the name of Jesus. That whatsoever we ask in his name, that the Father shall do unto us. We tap into that blood this morning, O Lord. And we ask that the blood speak greatness concerning us, O Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for answer prayers. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.